Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. For the reading of the will, you have been called in to receive from the will. So the will tells you what has been laid out for you. So you come to church, you come or you go in your own Bible study to find out what's in what was left for you in the will. Now remember, you still have an enemy that does not want you to receive what's in the will. Because once you receive what's in the will, it's over for him. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Kingdom Rock, let us greet our online community with a rousing hand of applause. That those hand claps you hear are for you. And we thank you so much, so much for being with us here on this morning. We know that God uh, has a rich blessing in store for you. And we know that you're really going to be blessed today, everyone. And if you have not had the time to uh, give online uh, for the support of the ministry, then go ahead and do that. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org, kingdomrock.org, and give your best gift today. Hallelujah. All right. Let's go right back into the message uh, to the series entitled Tell Hell No. We've been doing that all month long. I guess not maybe a couple of months now. We're on part number six today. Tell Hell No. All right. We're going to be continuing today to talk about inheritance. And we began on this a couple of weeks ago. We want to continue and get right back into this because God has laid up some things for you. Now, as we talk about inheritance, I want to make sure that everybody understands what we're talking about. Think about someone who someone who passes away. Right. And they leave you a gift. They leave you uh, money. They leave you a house. Let's say you've got an old uncle who was rich. Big daddy bucks. And uh, he left you over 10 million dollars. You start singing. Oh, happy day. Right. He left you that money and that money is for you. It's in your name. And they call you into the reading of the will. The the attorneys get your address and they call you in. Your name is on the roll. And once it is there, once that person has died, that will comes into effect. Then, of course, um, the the estate has an administrator and that one uh, working along with the attorneys. Uh, tell you what you are to get because it is written down uh, in the will. Whatever's by your name, that's yours because you are an heir. Only heirs are the ones who are really qualified within the family, qualified to uh, receive those who have been outlined in the will. All right. So the Lord has made you an heir. God has made you an heir. You are qualified to receive promises. As we said last week, that Jesus is the only one who has died and then came back to enforce his own will. Uh, When Uncle Blah Blah died, he's gone. And he is depending on somebody else to do what he wrote in the will. Because we know, of course, we know in this life, some people can do some strange things and try to finagle some stuff to um, try to push people out of their inheritance. But Jesus rose from the grave and came back to enforce his own will. This is what I meant when I said this here. 
Now, inheritance is also what's known as an irrevocable uh, gift or, in, or an irrevocable gift. That is, it cannot be given back, or rather, it cannot be taken back. It is yours. It cannot be reversed. Once it is received, it cannot be reversed. That is, once you've received the goodness of the Lord, it can't be taken back. All the blessings that God has laid out for you, that God says it is yours, it is yours. You say, well, I don't have it. But then the question would be, what did you do with it? Because God said he gave it to you. So we've been talking about uh, walking in our inheritance. And one thing that the devil does not want you to do, he does not want you to get wind of what God has given to you. He wants you to remain in poverty. Going back to that example of the person that, that passed and left you the 18 million, the 40 million, how about 100 million dollars, let's go there. <laughs> Well, someone left you $50 billion, let's go there, okay, a trillion dollars, it left you, okay, we can keep on going. So they left you that money, right? But let's say that person who received the money, who's been in that will, let's say they were living uh, in, some, in some part of the country and they could barely make it by, barely able to pay their rent, so forth and so on. So the enemy says, I don't want them to know what they have. So I'm going to keep them from this will so they cannot walk in it because I want them to stay impoverished. So he's going to do his best that you don't receive the notices in the mail that Uncle Boo Boo, let's do it that way. That doesn't sound right. Uncle Edgar, how about that? Okay, your Uncle Edgar died. He passed away and he left you $50 billion. That's, ooh, that sounds good. Thank you, Lord. You can do a lot with that. Let's bring it on back. Uncle Edgar left, or rather he died, right? He, he left you the inheritance. And so the bad people don't want you to get it. They want you to stay impoverished. Those bad people hate you. And they don't want you to know what was left for you. Because the moment you got that in your hand in your bank account, you're not going to live in that little house anymore. You're not going to worry about how you're going to pay the bills, how you're going to pay the rent, so forth and so on. You're not going to worry about all these other things that money can buy. Because when you realize that it is yours and you take possession of it, you're going to begin to walk in it and your life changes. By the same token, uh, when Jesus died upon that cross, he left you promises. Now, another word for a will is called a testament. You may have heard, some, heard, this, heard the phrase, the last will and testament, the last will and testament of so-and-so. Well, a testament is a will. Now, in your Bible, your Bible is made of two testaments, an Old Testament and a New Testament, right? This will, the New Testament, which is made of good and perfect promises, better promises than the Old Testament, the New Testament was made enforceable after Jesus died. So when Jesus died, the New Testament, the new promises, the new will came into full effect. Now, all those who believe in Jesus, who receive him as their Lord and as their Savior, are now qualified to receive the promises that are in the New Testament, that are in his will. You got me? When you were born of God, and we'll talk about this, when you were born of God or born again, you became an heir. The Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. Now, when I say became, you became an heir, I'm not talking about A-I-R, like in... Let's make that clear. I'm talking about air as in H-E-I-R. I think that's spelled right. 
Yes, someone that is qualified to receive. Got me? All right, we had to go there for a moment. All right, let's look at uh, Romans, the eighth chapter. Romans 8, Romans 8, Romans 8, 15 through 17. We'll look at this for a moment. So you say, why am I at church? Why do people go to church? Well, they go for a number of reasons, I know. But one reason that you study your Bible, one reason that you come to church is to realize Rather, first of all, it's for the reading of the will. Come on, somebody got that. Come on, somebody got that. For the reading of the will. You have been called in to receive from the will. So the will tells you what has been laid out for you. So you come to church, you come or you go in your own Bible study to find out what's in, what was left for you in the wheel. Now remember, you still have an enemy that does not want you to receive what's in the wheel because once you receive what's in the wheel, it's over for him. It's over for him, right? So we want to receive what's in the wheel. We're going to hear what's in his will. We're going to receive it. We're going to believe it. And we're going to apply it that we may get the fruit of it in our lives. Amen. So let's go ahead and read what's in the will here. Let me show you some things here. Romans, the eighth chapter, Romans 8, uh, verses uh, 15 through 17. It says here, uh, of the New Living Translation, it says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you. Say adopted. When he adopted you as his own children. Let me go ahead and finish reading. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his what? Heirs. That H-E-I-R-S. We are his heirs. Uh, In fact, together with Christ... We are heirs of God's glory, but if we are to share his glory, we, we must also share his suffering. So we're going to stop it there for a second. Notice how the word says that we, uh, let's go back to uh, Romans 8 verse 15 one more time. Romans 8 15 says, so we have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now, I want you to see some things here. Now, this is not adopt. When you see this word adoption here, I don't want you to think of an adoption agency, as in someone, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday's child, someone that doesn't have a parent, and you go out and you say, you bring them into your home, you say, hey, I love you, I want you to be a part of my family, I'm gonna adopt you into my family, okay? That's not necessarily wrong, wrong, but it's not where the truth is. You got what I'm saying to you? This adoption here, again, is not talking about you being outside and coming inside, but it's actually positioning you, uh, positioning you in sonship so that you can receive inheritance and then ultimately full inheritance. Because you're not, God is not saying, I'm going to adopt you into my family when you've already been born into the family. All right? So my son has been born into my family. When he was born, he was already an heir. 
You got me? When your children were born to you, they were already an heir. You don't need a piece of paper from the government or from the government, whatever you want to call it. You don't need a piece of paper to tell you that so-and-so is not qualified in what we would call adoption here in, in this modern world and Western world in this time. No, you already were born. The moment you were born of God, you were, you were made an heir. Let's go to John. Let's look at John. Uh, let's look at John, the uh, first chapter, John 1. Let's look at verses 11, 12, and 13. John 1, 11, 12, and 13. Can we bring that up on the screen now? I want to show you this. All right, so look at this. It says, talking about Jesus, he came to his own and his own received him not. But as, but as uh, many as received him, have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Well, then this qualifies you to receive. He says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become what? The sons of God or the offspring of God or the children of God, right? When you received Jesus, that gave you the power, the right, the ability to become the sons of God or the children of God. Even to them that believe on his name, verse 13, uh, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You were born of God. You were born into the family of God. Think about that in terms of citizenship into a country. If you're in a country and you're born on the soil, you are automatically, as far as I know, you're automatically a citizen of that country. You were born there, so you already have the rights of the citizen of that country. Now, others that want to come over, let's say to the United States, and they're in another part of the world, they're citizens of another country. They have to come over and go through the whole uh, proceedings to, to become a citizen, take the test and all this other stuff. But you, you were born here. And because you were born here, you automatically have all the rights and privileges of a citizen in the, in the United States of America. By the same token, the father wanted to make sure that you would receive everything that was for you. He didn't want to depend on a legal document. He made sure that you would receive because he made, how did he make sure? Because he made you born into the kingdom. You were born into his family. Not by flesh. This is a spiritual rebirth. You were born into the family of God. So you are legally a child of God by birth. Now, it's important for you to realize that. Say with me, I am legally a child of God by birth. I was born in the family. All right, let's go to John, the third chapter now. John, the third chapter. I just want to bring these things to you. John 3, let's look at verses 3 through 7. As Jesus has a conversation with Nicodemus. And this is what Jesus is saying here. He says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be what? Born again. You getting it? Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. See, the Lord had to make you, you had to be born into the family. Right. Verse four, Nicodemus saying unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, that is, have a natural birth. All of us were born of water. I wasn't there for your birth. But I'm. Pretty much sure that when your mama, when it's time for you to come, your mama's water broke. 
And that when you were inside your mama, there was some water around there. That what, ambiotic fluid? I can't get no talking here. All right then, online community. Y'all talk to me. Y'all talk to me. You must be born of water and then what? Born of spirit. Notice that's a capital S, Holy Spirit. You're born of the Holy Spirit. Okay, just like you were born of your mother, outside of your mother, when you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you were born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, in effect, became your mother. You got what I'm saying? In effect, as in you were born from the Spirit. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, Nicodemus, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. So why do we say all that? Because again, as we talked about in Romans 8, us being adopted into the family, don't think of this as again, as you were outside the family in some sort of orphanage, waiting on God to come and get you. Now, I can kind of see that in an effect that we were sinners and living in darkness and we came into his light. Understand that. I can see somebody would interpret it like that. That's not, that's not altogether wrong. But the truth of it is you were already a child of God when you received Jesus. Right? And so when he uses terms like this, being adopted in the family, this talks about you being properly positioned into your rights of sonship because there's more for you. And I'm going to show you more about this as we go on. So the Lord said, we, if we go back to Romans 8, I want you to see this, Romans 8, look at verse um, 17 again. Romans 8, verse 17. Romans 8, verse 17 says, since we are his children, we are his heirs. So let that sink in, that I am a child of God. I am a son of God. You can say, if you're a woman, you can say you're a daughter of God. But of course, we're not talking about fleshly things. So let's just say children right now. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Now, why is that important? Because as you are in Christ, again, you are qualified to receive the promises that are in, that are in the new will, that are in the New Testament. Now, let me give you an example before we go any further. Historically, uh, in churches all around the country, at least here in the United States, they would tell you, well, if you want God to bless you, then you've got to give your tithe and you've got to give your offering if you want God to bless you. God is not going to bless you unless you give. Now, historically, that has been uh, mentioned that way. Now, we know from the wheel that that is actually not correct. Not 100% correct. Why? Because if you're alive and breathing, he has already blessed you. You need his hand on your life before you can do anything. We talked about this last time, how when Abraham gave that first tithe that we notice here in the Bible, when he gave the tenth, the first tithe, he didn't give the tithe in order to be blessed. Remember, he had already won the battle. He had already won the war. He was fighting against his enemy king that had taken a lot and others captive. And he'd gotten the spoils of war. So he was already blessed. God had already blessed him by winning the battle. He, it was Abraham with his, with his servants. 
Abraham with his servants fighting against an army of well-trained soldiers and men. How did Abraham and his servants beat an army of well-trained soldiers? God had already done that, already been there, already blessed him to win the war, already blessed him. And so Abraham and his servants recovered the spoils of war. And then Melchizedek, the high priest, comes up and he says, you know what? I want to bless you with the tenth. I want to give you the tithe. Out of recognition of what God had already done. You see, you can't truly give a blessing until you are first blessed. So you don't really give in order for God to say, all right, you've done it. Now I'm going to bless you. No, that's actually incorrect. Because everything starts with God first. As a matter of fact, the love that you have for God didn't start with you. It started with him. Scripture says we loved him because he first loved us. Everything starts with him. So all we're doing is just reciprocating. All we're doing is just giving back. It's like if you're at a, uh, you're at a nice restaurant, you've got a great waiter, a great waitress there, and they've really been serving you, and then you decide to give them a, you decide to give them a tip because they've been doing so good. Now, which came first, their great service or the tip? You already received. I've already received. Every day I receive from God and I give him a portion of that that is given unto me, not for him to bless me, but because he has blessed me. In honoring him and worshiping him. Now it becomes not a not a um, not a chore, not something I'm supposed to do, but because I want to do, because I want to honor him. It becomes an expression of love and appreciation. I have this job because you gave it to me. I got this because you did that. And I just want to honor you for it. I just want to love on you and receive my love for you. So I'm not giving to be blessed. I'm already blessed. He's already poured out on me. I'm giving because I am blessed. You get what I'm saying? So you don't need to be in bondage. Oh, if I don't give a tithe, if I don't give an offering, if I don't go to church, and God's not going to bless me. No, you'll, you'll find out when you stand before him on that day. You'll see how he has blessed you all the days of your life. He's not waiting on you to do something. Then he can bless you. He's already poured out over your life. He's just saying, how are you going to return the blessing? How are you going to pour out your love upon me? Now, I'm saying all that to say this. When you are in Christ, it's not about what you do. It's about what has been done for you. It's not about what you do, but it has about what, it's about what has been done for you. Let's say you stand in need of a financial blessing. Stand in need to find your blessing. Okay, here we go. Here's, coming to, here's another word of testimony. Just keeps coming up, April. Just keeps coming up. Now, I am born of God, and I'm quite sure of that, by the way. Quite sure. But nevertheless, sometimes a measure of suffering will come into your life. I went home one day, and there was this cat that somehow trying to take up around my house. You know, there's stray cats that come in the area from, from time to time. 
And this was a male cat. How do I know that? Because that cat was, um, it peed on my porch, trying to mark territory. Oh, this is my house. We came home. Oh, my. What? Oh. And so because I'm a, I'm a techie, I have security cameras around my house. Oh, yeah, I see everything. And I saw where that cat picked up his little leg. And I said, oh, my goodness. So I got some urine remover and, you know, just did that and it was gone. Praise the Lord. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to have to trap this cat. He can't keep coming and peeing on my house. I thought you were a man of God. How oh, cat's peeing on your house? Give me a break. It's a part of you. You're not in heaven yet. Hallelujah. We got to deal with stuff. And so there's one particular time again, we came home again and um, it was, uh, you know, I, I had set my trap out. Little dude didn't come around fine, whatever. And then he came back around again. This was when it was raining. And oh boy, pee and moisture in the air equals really funky smell. <laughs> so it was really loud, really loud. And I, my family was coming home. I was still here at the church doing things. I think that was on a Tuesday, maybe. But they would come home, and I looked at the camera when my wife was coming house. She was doing like this. <sighs> and as a man, I'm like, oh, my God. My wife is irritated with this. I've got to do something about this. You don't step up in my house. Cat, it's on. I put my best trap out, my best treats out and all that stuff. And I, I, I baited the trap. I baited that trap. And then I waited because it's on. And sure enough, around... One o'clock or three o'clock in the morning, whenever it was, I heard a rattling on my front porch. It wasn't Santa Claus. <laughs> heard a rattle, rattling, just rattling. And I went outside and I was in my robe because I had to get this thing because my trap, you know, I had a, you know, something all together. But anyway, so I had to hurry up and get it out so I can secure, secure the little creature. He was a cute little thing, too. That's another story. He had little white paws and they're like, oh, but you can't pee on my house. Okay, how cute you look. And so I'm out there trying to secure them. And unbeknownst to me, as I'm securing them, I'm trying to secure them, and I didn't, have, I didn't have my little zip ties or whatever. I had to bang on my window for my son. He finally came out, and he gave me the, gave me the, the flashlight so I could see what was happening. And I put the thing on, and uh, I, I secured him. And I said, all right, I'm going to call the man to pick you up tomorrow. And so I went back in the house, but when I got in the house, I noticed the smell that was on the outside, I tracked in my house. And now the funk that was on the outside was on the inside of my house. Oh my God, I made it worse. So now I got to get my mop out two, three o'clock in the morning, whatever I got to, I got to get this funk up. I can't go to sleep with this funk in the house. Get my little pee remover. I thought that you were the man of God. <sighs> Take a pee remover. I got it up. Praise the Lord. Went back to bed. Got up the next morning. Everything's fine. Thought it was over. That night when we got home, it was raining. 
I said, praise God, okay, it's fine, it's raining. But I went back to my bedroom, and it was raining in my bedroom. My Lord. Can't let this continue. I thought you were the man of God. Had to get out there. It's raining, and it's at night. Got to go out in my tool shed to get my plastic. I got to climb up, get my ladder up, climb up on the house in the rain. Hallelujah, in the rain. My wife, oh, Lord, please don't let him fall off that roof. Please don't let him fall off that roof, Jesus. She told me later she was developing plans. Okay, I need to call 911. What do I need to do? What do I need to do if he fall off that roof? What do I need to do? I can't catch him. I can't catch him. What do I need to do? Got up on the roof. Praise the Lord. Got up on my roof. Got my rain gear. Get up on that roof and got up on that roof, brother. Climbed up on them shingles. Hey, it's all right. Got up on the roof, had my plastic, and I stood there, and I felt so much peace. So much peace covered me. So much peace. Pouring down, raining. I'm soaking wet. Got the plastic, and I got little bricks to hold the plastic down. So much peace. I'm sure she's like, my wife's like, what is taking him so long up there? How much peace? Lord said, son, I got you. It is not that you're not going to go through something, but it's how you go through it. And what happens when you are squeezed? All of us going to be squeezed. Put the plastic down, we're back down the ladder. All right, we'd fine, put the ladder back away, praise God. A few, a little while later, drip, drip, still dripping. Oh, my Lord, I guess I didn't do it right. I guess I'm not the roofer I thought I was. Get the ladder back out, put it back up on the roof. My wife, oh, please, okay, Lord, you did the first time. You did the first time. Don't let him fall the second time. You did it, Lord. You did it, Lord. Got to go back up there. This time I did it another way, and it stopped it. Hmm. Doesn't mean stuff won't happen. But how will you handle it when it does? Scripture says that the floods and the rains and the winds will come and it will beat upon your house. That's just a part of life. But who can you pull on when that stuff happens? We talked about being in Christ. Now, because I am in Christ, because we are in Christ, I'm not trying to pull on my past works. Lord, you ought to help me out because I've been so good. Oh, no, that's a slippery slope. You're going to fall off the roof, brother. No, Lord, help me out because you've been so good. I stand in Jesus. I need this money, Lord. I'm not, and I'm not saying I need this. You, can, you need to give me money, Lord, because I've been paying my tithes, because I've been giving an offering, because I've been praying, because I've been helping people. That's why you need to give to me because of what I've been doing. No, you're going to fall off that roof. No, Lord, I know that you'll bless me because of what Jesus did. I'm standing in what Jesus did. I am in Christ. And I'm not standing on my own works. I'm standing on the finished works of Jesus. Jesus gave all. And I'm depending upon the harvest from his works. 
I'm depending upon the righteousness and I am qualified to receive this blessing, not because I've been good, but because Jesus has been good. And so I stand on the foundation of Christ Jesus, realizing that I am in him. And once you realize that you are in him and realize that the work that he has done for you, you can stand in faith, believing that God will do a thing for you, not based on you, but based on what he has done. Does that make sense? The moment you begin to say, Lord, you can bless me now because I've done this, you already messed up. Your own conscience will condemn you because you know that you can't do enough right. You say, I haven't cussed anybody out all morning. Well, the day is still early. <laughs> haven't slapped nobody in a week. Well, we'll see what happens Monday morning. You can't build your life on you because you're not strong enough to keep you holy. You're not strong enough to keep you prayed up. You're not strong enough to keep yourself in the word. You're not strong enough. The moment you keep being on you, you're losing out. And see, that's how that old rascal, the devil, keeps you from your inheritance. He wants you to keep you struggling in constant struggle, not realizing that your Uncle Edgar has given you $50 trillion, trillion now. It's, that money's going up. He doesn't want you to receive everything that has already been laid out for you. So he tries to keep you from the reading of the will. He doesn't want you to know, doesn't want you to believe what you have already received. He wants you to continue to fight, um, to fight and do things your way and scheme and connive and do things to get it your way. But our way doesn't work. Anybody want to agree with me? Anybody understand what I'm saying? I see a couple of hands online community. Doesn't work. Never has. We've got to stand in Christ. Let's go back. Now look at this. Because you are in an heir, let's go to uh, Revelation 21, and my goodness, not going to get to all of it again today, but Lord willing, we'll pick it up again. Revelation 21, we, we were here last week. I'm going to just touch on it one more time. Revelation 21, verse 5 says, Revelation 21, verse 5, it says, And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Verse 6, And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Verse 7, he that overcometh, he that overcometh shall what? Inherit what? All things. Now think about this in the track and field race. You know, those hurdles when the man that run down the road, and, I mean, run track and he pick his leg up and does like this and goes to the next one, right? He pick it up and throw it over, right? That's the different problems you're going to encounter in life. That's folk bothering you. That's money problems. That's, that's all this other stuff bothering you, coming against you. And to overcome that means, you know, sometimes we're going we're gonna to trip and fall. Right? You got a whole lot of hurdles in life. Chances are you're not going to get over all of them without falling. We're going to fall. But when you fall... Still got to run the race. Get up, dust yourself off, and get back in there and start running again. Because you have to finish your race. 
You have to finish your race, right? So overcoming means that when you're up on your roof, I mean, even though it was, even though I still, to this day, it hadn't been too long ago, I said get roofer out there, there's plastic still on my roof. Pastor! I can see the headlines now. Local pastor has plastic on his roof. Continues to declare he is a man of God, full of faith and power, and that God has supplied all of his needs according to his rich and glory by Christ Jesus. Is that true, Pastor? Yes, it is. You hear what I'm saying to you? It's how you overcome those things. Now, God's got it. Praise God. You don't see what I'm saying, right? He's got it. He's got it. What I'm telling you is that we're all going to encounter different things. Because you're saved does not mean that you won't counter, encounter different struggles or problems. But how you overcome them, how you overcome them determines or helps you to see who and what you are. The Lord said, verse 7 again, Revelation 21, verse 7, he that overcometh, he that overcometh, that is when they slap you, you say, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to overcome your evil with good. You lied on me. I'm not going to lie on you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to do good to you. You've overcoming. The Lord said you, he wants you to be like his heavenly father who gives the rain, who lets the rain fall upon the just and the unjust. He lets the sun shine on the just and the unjust. God is good. He doesn't wait for you to be good to show you his goodness. You could be an evil fool and God is still good to you. Are you hearing? He wants his children to do that. And in essence, let God do your fighting for you. Please hear that. If, we, if you don't hear nothing else, and we're about to close out shortly, let God do your fighting for you. The moment you become an heir, let God fight for you. The Bible says that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. If someone comes up to your child and they smite your child, they got to deal with mom and daddy. What you? You mean you're gonna stand there and let somebody just do that to your child, do that to your three-year-old, and you're gonna just you know the child is defenseless and they just beating up on your child, you gonna stand back there filing your nails? No, and you don't expect the three-year-old to get up and start throwing punches. Hey, dad has got this. Mama's oh, mm, take wait now, whoo, take out the earrings, let's go. Right? They offend the child, they offend the parent. They offend the child, they offend the parent. Who has more wrath at that moment, the child or the parent? Who has more wrath, you or God? That's why Jesus said, pray for them. Pray for them when they despitefully use you. Pray for them when they offend you. Pray for them. Because someone has more wrath than you. Daddy, hold on, Daddy, hold on. That's why Jesus said to them, why he, was why he prayed on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Your father has more wrath than you. That's why he says, pray. Because he doesn't want that even, even that evil soul to perish. He says, pray. But the hand of God is against them the moment they strike you. That's why I, 
When people point, when you're driving down the road and people point, point uh, and show you where heaven is, just bless them. You know, they take their finger when you're driving. They do like this. Do like this. They say, not with that finger, you understand. They point one of their fingers and they honk their horn. Uh, uh. I say, oh, thank you. Yes. Glory to God. Heaven is there. Yes, yes. And they're also telling you, uh-uh, make me number one on your prayer list. Uh-uh, make me number one on your prayer list. Uh-uh, say blip, 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 curse word, curse word. Blip, 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 blip. Make me number one. I said, you got it, buddy. You are now number one on my prayer list. I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to pray the, I'm going to say it, pray the hell out of you. Because you're full of it. You hear what I'm saying? See, that's walking like the Father. That's walking like the Father who loves you. His love is not dependent upon you. God's not waiting on you to do good before he does good to you. He's not waiting for you to do good before he starts loving you. He loves you already. The issue is you receiving his love. You believing, God, you really do love me. You really are blessing me. You really are here for me. The fight is to believe. Are you hearing? Let's try to go a little bit further. Romans 8 again. Romans 8. Let's look at verse number 18. Romans 8. The Lord said, you know, if we suffer with him, we're going to rule with him. We're going to reign with him. God's going to be, we're going to be glorified together with him if you suffer. Romans 8, verse 18. Uh, the New Living Translation says again, yet... Uh, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. King James says, uh, it's nothing to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Verse 19, for all creation is eagerly, is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. God's going to show who his children really are. Verse 20, Against its will, all creation was, was subjected uh, to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Verse 22. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Hallelujah. I long for my body to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our what? Full inheritance or full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. So right now we're struggling and struggling to receive, fighting to receive and walk in inheritance. It goes from inheritance to full inheritance. Some things we can receive now and some things we'll receive later on. I would sure love to have that new glorified body now. 
But it's not time for that yet. It's not time for that yet. Look at verse 29. For God knew his people in advance. Verse 29. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Remember, we're born into God's family. Jesus is our elder brother. He's the first begotten from the dead, right? All right? So God made us, chose to make us like Jesus. Look at verse 30. Verse 30 says, And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given, given them right standing, he gave them his glory. You and I have right standing with God. Now, we're gonna, next week, we're going to come back. We're going to talk more about how to walk in it, how to see what's written in the Bible, how to see that worked out, manifested in your life. Because you got to see it done. You got to see it walked out. You know, we used to say when we were uh, in school, you know, why, why do I need this trigonometry and why do I need this um, uh, geometry and all this stuff when I'm not going to use this stuff in life? Show me how to use a calculator. Show me, how to, show me how to do basic math. Most people only use basic math from day to day. But you say, what's the use of learning all of this if I can't apply it, if I can't use it? Well, it's important not only that you learn what your inheritance is, but also how to apply it and how to see the fruit of it. God gives you seed. His word is like a seed. You got to plant it in the ground. And sooner or later, something's got to grow and you're going to eat from it. If, you plant, if this word is a, an apple seed, then you put it in the ground and sooner or later, apples come up and you, and you eat it. So it is like the word of God in your life. The word of God is planted in your heart, the rich soil of your heart. And sooner or later, you're going to have to see it manifest in front of you. Because if you don't see it manifest, you're actually just like in life, like everybody else without a promise. Let's say, you, let's say everybody's starving, but you've got some seeds. You got them in your pocket. You're both going to die of starvation. Right? You've got the answer. It's in your pocket, but you've never planted it. You never watered it. And so everybody else is hungry, but you've got an answer in your pocket. We've got to take that word out and learn how to plant it, learn how to water it, learn how to wait upon the fruit of it, and then eat. And then when you eat from your tree, those around you will also eat from it. Say, man, tell me about this Jesus again. Tell me how you were able to go up on your roof in the middle of the night and not fall off. Tell me how you had peace in the midst of a storm. Tell me how you're not, tell me how you're still faithful and you're not bitter toward God. I heard a cat peed on your house. Tell me how you're able to do that. Tell me how you're still able to love people when they done cursed you out. How are you able to do that? Tell me how they're eating from the fruit from your tree. And see, I love Tia's testimony. Yeah, I'm about to talk, talk about you, Tia. You can close your eyes. I love her testimony because historically she's been treated unfairly in a lot of places. And she could have gotten bitter. 
But now she's celebrated on her job. Celebrated. Instead of getting bitter, she overcame the bitterness. And love comes out. And now when they come, people come around her, oh, I just love being here. You're the best person ever. (laughs) How are you overcoming in life? It's not how hard you can hit the enemy, really, but it's how many hits can you take and still get up? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for the time you've given us to Gather around your word. And Lord, I pray that today we we would walk in the inheritance. And I pray that you, Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. I pray that you would continue to teach your people, that you would continue to lead them into all truth about their inheritance. I pray that the enemy, that the devil, Satan, Lucifer, and all those fallen demons and all the other stuff and folk would not keep us out, would not keep your people out of their inheritance. But Lord, I pray that they would receive what you have laid out for them, that they would apply it to their lives and no longer live in the poverty of this life, no longer lived in guilt and shame, no longer give in uh, or live in uh, stressed out and worried and living in sadness and depression, but that they can live uh, the high life with Jesus, not living a lowly life, but the high life. Lord, there is a higher life. There is a highway for us to live in. To live above the circumstances of life. To overcome. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us the power to overcome. That we will inherit all things as you've said in your word. Father, I pray your people are overcomers. That they will see the goodness of the Lord right here in the land of the living. And that their living will not be in vain. Lord, I pray your blessings upon them this day to all those that are here in this building now and to those that are listening and watching all around the world. We give you praise today. We love you so much, Jesus. And it is in um, the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah, my friends. We'll see you all next time. We love you. Bye-bye. Give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Hallelujah. Let's, did you understand that today? Come on, let's clap our hands to the Lord if you understood that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I sure enjoy being with you today. Hallelujah. Well, the man did pick up the cat, by the way. I'm sure he's probably, I'm believing he's adopted out to somebody else. Praise the Lord. That's how I'm believing it. Praise the Lord. If anyone needs special prayer today, we'd be glad to pray with you uh, immediately following service. If you don't know the Lord Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, you don't need an altar or pulpit for that. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, he said you will be saved. He said you got to believe. Believe and receive him as your Lord. Receive him as your Savior. See your own sin and turn from it and turn to him. And he will save you. He will deliver you. Amen. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. 
Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.